Since I started coming to East Point, it's been extremely simple to get connected. I was sitting in service and watching the video on Join the Drama Team. I enjoyed the auditions, loved the people. I got the call and said, we'd love to have you. I lead the team of ushers slash greeters. I'm involved in worship on Sunday mornings. I help out with the WPA group and I help out on Wednesday nights as a youth leader. I love it. They love me, I love them. It is something that is so valuable in my life. If I wasn't involved in those things, I don't actually know how long I would still be in church. Normally when you just go to Sunday like service, you don't feel like really connected. And then when you go and you get involved in something, then you're helping other people and other people are helping you. So it drives you more to want to get in the word and learn something. Being a part of the drama team has created another family for me. It makes all the difference in the world. When you like leave church and you know that you have people that have your back and if something happens and you have prayer, it like makes you feel like you have someone else to go to and you wouldn't get that just saying hi at church. Know that even if I have a bad day, I can come and it's pretty much turned around and I have a great evening. And so it helps us as a couple um, grow together and build that relationship with other godly couples. Being involved with the two-year-olds has just helped me um, connect by working with the other adults that are in there. God knew I needed this. He knew what I was capable of. Be a part of Kurt's service, be a part of sharing the word, but also the people that I look forward to seeing every week. I feel better about myself. I have changed so much and it has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. After getting connected, I definitely feel like this is our home. So thankful for my friends and my relationships at East Point. My name is Ethan. Rose. Heather. I'm Nick. Mackenzie Olson. Logan. My name is Pete. And I am East Point. And I am East Point. And I am East Point. I am East Point. Love those people, and I know all of their stories, and their involvement here is um, not only good for them, it's good for us. Life is meant to be shared together. It's meant to be experienced together. And when it is, there is a satisfaction and a fullness to our lives that we could not experience in any other way. Togetherness, connection, there are words that are very important to us around here at East Point, and they're not just a theological concept. It's not just something we talk about. It's supposed to be a way of life for those who follow Christ. Now, if you're here today, or you're listening to this online or on the radio, and you're not yet a Christ follower, I want to tell you I'm glad you're here, and I welcome you here. This is a safe place for you to discover grace. But I want you to know today, too, that what's important for us as Christ followers is this topic we're going to deal with today, the value of connection. We're part two of our series called I Am East Point, and I want to unpack this whole issue of being in a community of faith. And here's my deep conviction. I mean, you cut me and I believe this. We were made to be vitally connected to others in meaningful relationships, and we were never meant to go it alone. Let me say that again. We were meant to be vitally connected to others in meaningful relationships. Vitally connected and meaningful relationships. Four, four very important words. Now, some of you already get that. 
I look around the room, and a lot of you involved in life groups or small groups, you serve, you're connected to other people here in our church or in the community of faith at large, and you understand and embrace this reality. And I'll tell you up front, uh, if you brought my book today, you can read it a little bit if you want, because you've, you've heard some of this. Uh, but I, I hope this will be an encouragement to you, that this will be a reminder to you of something that you've been practicing and that you'll be able to pass that along. Some of you, however, and uh, I'm not thinking anyone in particular, so I'm not looking at you right now, but you tend to withdraw, and you get isolated in life, especially when you're hurt, when you're frustrated, or when you're mad. And today, I'm just going to give you a heads up, today may be pretty challenging for you. And I want you to know, personally, I understand your struggle. It's not always easy to be connected. It's not always easy to live in community. I grew up as the oldest uh, kid in my family, four children, got two younger brothers and a baby sister. And we moved quite a bit when I was growing up. In fact, uh, lived in six different states, went to eight different schools between kindergarten and uh, senior in high school. And I don't know if you're a military brat, you think, that's nothing, I can top that. But that is quite a bit of change. Six states, eight different schools, and I can't tell you how many homes and neighborhoods. I mean, in one year, we actually lived in four different houses. So I moved a lot. And the downside to that is that it's easy to become emotionally independent, to become a loner, to not get too attached, to not risk relationship. Because it's hard to make a friend and say goodbye. How many of you ever had to say goodbye to a friend and you just wept and cried your eyes out? Yeah, it's tough. Well, imagine doing that every year or two in your life, and it's really hard. Now, despite my story and yours, uh, being lonely is not healthy. Being a loner is not healthy. Let me say it again. You and I were made. We were created to be in vital relationships, meaningful relationships with other people. And I'm going to give you some reasons why uh, this morning. For that. Here's the first one. First reason why we should be connected. Connection helps us to grow. Connection helps us to grow. Find someone in your life who is immature, childish, irresponsible, selfish, foolish, whatever other, you know, description you want to use, and I'll show you someone who was not consistently challenged by others to grow. Somewhere along the line, somebody either just gave up on them or they didn't speak into their life, and they didn't grow. Truth is, we don't grow in a vacuum. In fact, nothing, if I know my science, and I could be wrong, I don't think anything grows in a vacuum. And you and I will not grow to our full potential outside of the context of meaningful relationship with others. We grow, and we continue to mature throughout our lives as we are molded, shaped, challenged, and I'll use a word that's not a pretty picture, but carved by others. That we need to be shaped, molded, carved, the, the ugly parts of us, the harsh parts of us. Yes, God the Holy Spirit works. Yes, He works from the inside out, but He uses people. He uses parents first in the life of a child. He uses friends. He uses family. He uses people in our lives to help mold and carve and shape us into the person that we are destined to become. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 27, 17. He said, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, let me give you a little insight here. When iron sharpens iron, there's some sparks that fly. I get that. I know it's not always pretty. But the end result is good. Being challenged to grow, if we'll embrace that challenge, and there's an important if, if we'll embrace that reality, is a good thing for us. One of my oldest and dearest friends is a guy named Rick Coffin. We actually went to high school together, and uh, I love his last name because it's weirder than mine. I'd much rather be a boobna than a coffin. But anyhow, Rick's a great guy. I actually used to work with him. I was on staff with him. He was my boss, actually, for a while. 
And Rick always um, had this uncanny ability to see potential in people, to see something in their life, and then to, to challenge them, to encourage them, to, to, to almost provoke them in a healthy and holy way to become the people God wanted them to become. And Rick helped people grow. Sometimes he ticked them off along the way. Sometimes he ticked me off along the way. But he constantly challenged people to grow. I love that about my friend Rick. And he's a, he and his wife are missionaries in India, which our church helps support them. And now he's in another country challenging people there to grow in their faith. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 10, 24. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. One of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider, and give some thought to this, how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now the word spur here is a great word, and it could actually be translated several different ways. Often in the language of the Bible, the Greek language, it has, uh, we, we have to use sometimes multiple words just to describe one word they use. But it could be uh, to provoke, again in a good way, spur one another, provoke one another, uh, to stimulate or to incite to good. And what I want you to see is they're all very strong words. But I like the NIV's use of the word spur because there's a word picture attached to it. And most of us, when we hear things or uh, words, uh, we think of not just the definition, but often we think of a picture. And the word picture here that's used in the New Testament of spurring one another on is someone sitting on a horse or a camel, and they're kicking that thing in the ribs, in the side to get it to move. Spurring on. Now, they're not kicking it to hurt it. Uh, this, this doesn't mean that we get to ride each other in an abusive or unhealthy way. But it means that sometimes, just like that camel or that horse, and my brother used to race horses and I've ridden them a lot, you need to give that horse a little incentive, a little spur, a little, and it's not to hurt the horse, it's not to beat the horse, it's not to be mean, it's to, it, to incite that puppy to move, to go. Connection spurs us to growth. It encourages us. It's supposed to. You are supposed to be in relationships with people, and this might be like, what? Might be brand new news for some of you, but you are supposed to have people in your life who actually challenge you from time to time. And they speak something into your life that isn't always really fun to hear, but necessary for your growth. Connection promotes growth. Here's the second thing. Not only does it help us to mature, it helps us to stay pure, to become holy, to become more of who we are in Christ. Number two, connection helps us to stay clean. Connection, the second thing, it helps us to stay clean. In other words, being connected will help us stay out of trouble. And I want to tell you that all of us, we need the benefit of mutually accountable relationships. If you've been an AA or NA, my dad was an AA, and I, I, one of the things I remember him saying is, man, I really need these guys, these people to support me. You know that if you experience that, that the support that that group provides you helps you to stay clean. I want to suggest that we all need mutually accountable relationships. It's not just for people who have, you know, chemical dependencies or other issues in their life, that all of us need people in our lives. Now, some of us think we don't need people, and I, again, not thinking of anyone in particular, but we try to convince ourselves that we can make it on our own. And our culture, the problem is our culture tends to promote the idea of rugged independence. Think about the heroes. Superman, uh, Riddick, not a movie you should go see, by the way. Um, the Wolverine. I mean, our culture tends to kind of make it cool to be a tough guy, a rugged, independent person who really doesn't need anybody else. In fact, we tend to think that only weak people need people. If I need somebody, if I need help from somebody, then that means I've got a problem in my life. Let me just say this right now about that. Duh. 
yeah, we all have challenges, problems, issues in our life that we need help from other people. But again, regardless of the fact that our world idolizes and makes heroes out of the macho, independent, tough guys or tough gals, the truth is we were made to be interdependent, not independent. Again, two important words, and there's a def definite distinction between them. You and I were made to be in interdependent relationships with each other, not independent. And by interdependent, let me give you a definition. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. By interdependent, I mean equally supported and connected in a mutually beneficial way. I'll say it again. What does interdependent mean? It means equally supported and connected in a mutually beneficial way. Now, this is not codependency. This is not where I need to be needed. But it is a mutually dependent relationship where my connection with others is good for them and good for me. Not true in codependency, but in this relationship, it means it's good for them and it's good for me. Listen to the wisdom of Solomon. He wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and I would have written it if I were Solomon, when they fall, but he says if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Two are better than one because they have a good return. The Bible says two people are more productive. Two people are more protected, better protected against trouble and far more likely to get out of it when it happens. Why? Because they have support. God wants us to live in lives that are interconnected with other people in mutually beneficial ways. Sometimes you're going to give more than they give to you. That just happens. Sometimes they're going to give more than you give back. But mutually dependent relationships where we encourage again each other to grow and help each other to stay clean. We see somebody drifting off, going sideways, beginning to get into a, a lifestyle or a, a way of life or thinking that's wrong. It's godly. It's holy. It's helpful to say, wait, time out. Have you thought about where that's going to take you? Have you thought about the end result of that decision? Have you weighed it out? Have you looked at the scriptures and, and compared what you're doing to what the Bible has to say? That's being interconnected in mutually beneficial ways. Here's the third benefit of getting and staying connected. Connection helps us to survive. Not only does it help us to grow, which is good, to stay pure and holy, more like Jesus, which is great, but in fact it helps us to survive when things are hard. Honestly, even the most confident and mature among us can take a spiritual and emotional beating from time to time. I've never met a person older than about two who hasn't had some really hard days or you know, bad days or bad decades. And there's nothing more timely or helpful to our survival than an encouraging word from a friend. There is nothing that will help you stay the course better, that will keep you going better, that will help you to survive better than when someone comes alongside you and they say, I'm in this with you. We will get through this together. First Thessalonians 5.11, Paul wrote this, encourage one another and build each other up. And it's one of those passages, again, that's not a suggestion. You know, sometimes we read the Bible like it's just filled with lots of good ideas. Well, that, maybe I ought to try that someday. No, this is another commandment, another imperative from the Scriptures. It, Paul doesn't say, give some thought to this. He says, do this. You need to encourage one another and build each other up. Do you realize, and I have been get a little passionate about this, but how radically our lives would be changed if we lived that out every day? If you woke up tomorrow morning on Monday and you said, today, 
my goal, and you, I, I, here's, here's the Bubna challenge, the 24-hour Bubna challenge. Try this for 24 hours, and you'll find out how hard it really is. But you'll also find the power of the Holy Spirit empowering you to do this because it's what God wants. Live 24 hours. Go one day. Tomorrow morning, wake up and say, I'm going to do everything I can to encourage and build up the people around me. It will change the way you talk. You won't say things like, you are really stupid. That does, how does that encourage and build somebody up? You won't be mean in your tone, in your words, in your language. You will not do things that tear people down. You will find ways to build them up and to encourage them. And it's an awesome way to live. I promise you, try it for just tomorrow, one day. And then the next day, try it again. Don't go too crazy on this. Just try it one day at a time. God, today, everybody I encounter, whether it's Cindy at Fred Meyer or Mary at Hastings or my wife or my kids today, help me to be an encourager. Help me to be one who builds others up around me. I've got a group of men in my life that I thank God for on a regular basis. They're all close to me as a brother. I, I, I love them. i got two brothers, and I love my brothers, but these guys are as close to me as my brothers. And on a regular basis, they take turns, I think, but they speak encouragement into my life. Uh, on a regular basis, they speak truth into my life. Sometimes I'm going sideways or I'm thinking something, and they go, oh, Kurtz, come on. Let's they'll reel it in and have a conversation with me. And they, on a regular basis, refresh me. That's like a cold glass of lemonade on a hot day. They just bring refreshing to my soul. And I cannot imagine my life without those men. I hope and pray that you have one, two, a group of people like that in your life. If you're a woman, that you've got a group of ladies or several friends like that in your life. Or if you're a guy, that you've got people like that in your life. And I also hope and pray that you're like that in someone else's life. Sometimes, you know, I, we moved a lot, like I said, and, and I complained to my mom. Mom, I, I don't know anybody in the school, and nobody wants to be my friend. And my mom would say, well, go be friendly. You know, that's the only way I know to develop friends. Be friendly. You want to be an encourager? You know, have people encourage, be encourager in your life? Encourage them. Invest in their lives. Because here's the deal. I've never met a person who really resented being encouraged. Now, sometimes when somebody's really hurting, they might strike at us when we try to do that. I know. But when they're past that, they'll look back and they'll say, man, thanks for trying to help me and encouraging me. And for some of us, like me, our love language is words of appreciation. And like a, you know, dry desert floor, we soak up that love language, those words of affirmation, appreciation. But here's the deal. If that's not your love language, here's what I know. Everybody appreciates being appreciated. Everybody values affirmation and support. Everybody needs Kind and encouraging words, especially when times are tough. I said connection helps us to survive. When you are just, you're bleeding in the ditch somewhere. You need those people to come alongside you and to, to help mend your wounds and to clean you up and to care for you. And so let me encourage you to become an encourager. Make a decision. If you hear anything I say today, hear this. I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to be more of an encourager than I have been before. And then I want to encourage you to find an, an encourager in, in your life. Encourage you to find someone in your life who can fill that role as well. This is one of the great blessings of connection, is to have that encouragement, especially in hard times. Being connected to others helps us to grow. It helps us to stay pure and clean. It helps us to survive. Without a doubt, we need each other if we're to become strong, mature, and healthy people, the people God wants us to become, period. But let me just shift into one more thing. 
all of that being said, there's one more reality about being connected that I need to be honest with. Number four, connection is good, but not always easy. Connection is good, but it's not always easy. Sometimes, sometimes when someone speaks the truth into your heart, into your life, uh, it's going it's to be challenging. In fact, sometimes when they speak the truth into our lives, we get angry and irritated, and we want to hurt them back. Sometimes when someone challenges us to grow, we get insecure and defensive. Now, I'm sure that never happens to you, but it does to me occasionally. One of my friends, these guys, I'll say something, and, and why is it our immediate reaction more often than not is to just you know, either rip their face off or to give the, all the yeah buts we can think of? You know what yeah buts are? They're the defensive answers. And sometimes we, when we're challenged by someone and we have that relationship, that connection, it gets tough, and what we want to do is bolt and bail. We want to run. Back when uh, Clinton was president, and um, I'll just be honest with you, I used to rag on him all the time. Now, I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you voted for him or not. I'm just being honest about something that I went through for, for a while. I never said anything nice. In fact, I was very disrespectful about him. Now, he made some major mistakes, which we will not unpack since there are minors in the room. But uh, my attitude towards him was harsh, condemning, and, and uh, not at all Christ-like. And I had a friend, have a friend, having coffee with him one day. And he uh, pushed back. He said, what do you think Jesus would say to Bill Clinton? Really made me mad. I, you know, I, I'm like, dude, I'm the pastor. I know. I know things. I know the Bible. I mean, don't go there. I, of course, like, like yeah, I mean, I'm not Jesus. And, I'm, and all these things are happening. And, and I'm getting kind of vocal about it. And yeah, but, you know, and who can, I can't believe what he did in the Oval Office. And on and on and on and on. Look at this guy. And, and I was just going off. And the, he pressed a little harder, and the more he pressed, the madder I got. If you've never seen me mad, just ask my wife. It's not a pretty picture. It's not fun. It's not good at all. And I'm getting angry and mad. And he did the smartest thing anybody's ever done with me in the midst of that. He stopped talking. And he had his Bible sitting there, and he opened his Bible to 1 Timothy. And I didn't know at the time, but he's flipping the pages, and he finds 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 1 to three, he turns around and says, hey, would you read the first three verses of this? Now, again, I'm spitting mad. I've spit all over the table. I've spilled my coffee. I'm thinking I'm going to write him off. I don't want to talk to this guy again. I can't believe he's, you know, and, and I'm just going off. And then I read these words. And I'm not kidding. Sitting at Starbucks right down here in Sullivan, I read these words. Uh, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings, we could insert the word presidents, and all who are in authority, so that we may, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Talk about taking the wind out of your sails. Pray for all people. You know what the Greek word for all means? all, <laughs> including Bill Clinton, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them. Honestly, I never, and up until that point, not one time had I ever thanked God for Billy Clinton. Didn't happen. Give thanks for them, pray this way for kings, and all who are in authority. Why? Because this is good and it pleases God. How do you argue with that? Now listen, he wasn't making a political statement, and neither, you should see some of your faces right now. 
He wasn't making a political statement, and neither am I. Now, certainly we can voice our opinion and hold people to a standard, including presidents. That's not the issue. The point was, he was right and I was wrong. I had a lousy attitude. But here's the thing I want you to get out of that story. Our connection was at risk at that moment. Because I was ready, I was sick and tired of hearing him talk, and I was ready to say, I'm done with this guy. I'm over. I don't want to hear it anymore. Democratic, liberal, and I just wanted to write him off. Being connected, staying connected is not always easy. Because sometimes the people we deal with will challenge us in ways that we don't want to be challenged. But whether we like it or not, staying connected is still important. Here's another example of when it's difficult to stay connected. Sometimes it's hard because, uh, to get and stay connected because of the past painful experiences we've had with others. Some of you, and guys, it breaks my heart when I think about this. And I know some of your stories, and so I, I'm going to try not to break down and cry right now. Some of you have been so wounded by people, so hurt by people you once trusted, a spouse, a friend, a coworker, a kid, a parent, pastor. And it's really, really hard for you because you've been disappointed by someone you once trusted. You've been betrayed by a family member or a friend. You've been hurt by someone that you once upon a time loved. And so it's hard for you to even want to get connected or stay connected because of painful past experiences. For years, I had a family member who will go unnamed but uh, he did something on a regular basis that was really stupid and hurt me. Regular basis. And it would have been much easier. I'm just telling you, I, it would have been much easier just to write that guy out of my life. I'm done with you. I don't care if we are blood. You've hurt me way too many times. You've been so stupid to me and treated me so poorly so many times. I'm done. It would have been much easier to just write that guy out of my life. But God wouldn't let me give up on him. And I realized that though our relationship was imperfect at times, that perfection is not um, required for connection. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have an imperfect family? Your kid sometimes doesn't clean his room. Your spouse sometimes doesn't do what they said they would do. They don't enter something in the checkbook, and you end up you know, with NSF notices. Uh, you know, your husband, you know, you've told him 10 times, the car's smelling, I don't know what's going on, you need to fix the car, and next thing you know, the engine's blown up, and you got, and how many of you, I mean, you've, you've, you've lived in these relationships in your family that are far from perfect, but you're still connected. Perfection is not a requirement for connection, write it down. How many of you have been a part of a church and think, boy, that pastor's a jerk, that, I can't believe that, those guys, I can't, did, can you, did you hear what he, the way that person treated me and that, I can't, you know, I'm done with them. And what do we do? Well, we move down the street to the next church. And then we get ticked off at them two or three years later. Guys, if I'm meddling, forgive me. But here's the deal. Perfection is not a requirement for connection. We need to give grace. And I will admit that connection has its risk, but I stand on this conviction. No matter what it takes, no matter what it costs, no matter how hard it is, we must, we must stay connected to others because the alternative is worse. Nothing good ever comes out of getting isolated. Nothing holy ever comes out of being detached from others. 
And yes, there's a point in a relationship, I know some of you are thinking, there's a point in a relationship that it can become unhealthy and holy and something needs to be done. I'm not dealing with that right now. That's a whole other issue. What I'm saying is that the majority of the time, most of the struggles that we have are not, listen to me, are not a justifiable cause for cutting people out of our lives. The Bible says this. Here's the Bible's take on the way we ought to relate to one another. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. Be completely humble, not just occasionally humble. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Hate that word. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul says, bear with one another in love. You think he assumed that we would have times where we would be ticked off, where it wouldn't be easy. But he says, bear with one another in love and make every effort, as far as it depends on you, he wrote in Romans 12, live at peace with all. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's the way it is to be for us as Christ's followers. That is to be our default. But when we bolt or we bail out of a relationship, out of a family, out of a church, because of challenging conflict with someone, I want to suggest that we end up missing a huge opportunity for growth, a huge growth opportunity. And that God's going to keep taking us around the mountain. He's going to keep taking you through. And then, man, why does this keep happening in my life? Well, because God wants you to grow. He wants you to learn. And I promise you this. We think, cut them off. That's the way to solve my problem. The truth is, nope. God's just going to put somebody else in your life just like that guy, just like that gal. Why? Because he wants you to grow. He wants you to become more like his son, Jesus. Again, I readily admit to you, it's not always easy. Resolving conflict is often tough. Staying connected through thick and thin, the good and the bad, the glorious and the not so glorious is really hard sometimes. But it is the challenge we have as Christ followers. And I have one more thing to say. I'm going to pray and we're done. I love what we do on Sunday mornings. Our time of community together, worshiping God, greeting one another, hanging scenes, whatever we involved in serving, I love that hour we have on Sunday mornings. But can I just lean in on you just a little bit? If that's the extent of your connection to the body of Christ, it's not enough. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because I love you. You need to be connected in meaningful ways to others in the community of faith. We've got life group tables. The life group fair is coming up the first couple Sundays of October. And I'm like, ah, I'm so sick and tired. I don't like small groups. I don't like people. And therein lies the problem. And you know what? Here's a little, maybe they don't like you. But so what? That doesn't dismiss us from the call, the challenge, and the responsibility we have to get connected in vital relationships, meaningful relationships with others. Because that's where we grow. That's where we stay pure. That's where we're encouraged to survive, even when it's hard. God bless you guys. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, thank you that the scripture makes it clear on this issue that you put us into a body, into a community of faith. And that at no point can the hand say to the eye, I don't need you, or the, the mouth say to the foot, I don't need you. That we were made to be in connected relationships with each other. And that when one hurts, we all hurt. When one glories and, and celebrates, we all celebrate. Because that's the level of commitment and relationship we are to have in our walk with you 
and with each other. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, I ask you, please, where there's resistance in us because of past pain, because of hurt, because we've been let down, because of failure, because we've tried and it was hard, Lord, where we've just given up on this issue of being connected and in community with others, forgive us and help us. Forgive us, God, and empower us to try again, and to try again, and to keep trying, and to live in those mutually accountable relationships that will help us become the men and the women of God that you want us to be, and that we could never become isolated and on our own. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today, and you've not yet said yes to, to Jesus. You've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. And something today, maybe it was during the, the singing, maybe it was as we looked at some scripture verses, maybe it's just the Holy Spirit, and you don't even know that yet. But you realize some light went on in you. Man, I need that. I need that community. I need that relationship. I need it with people, and I need it with God. And something in you today just realizes that you're at the point where it's time for you to say yes. You are ready to submit, surrender, and, and, and give your life to Jesus and to accept his life, his sacrifice his penalty for your sin on, on your behalf. And if, that, if that's you, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you to own this prayer. And the most important thing is what happens in your heart right now. As you say yes to God, that's where it begins. But just make these words yours. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I have failed. My life is not what I know it should be, what I know it can be. And so today I surrender my all to you. My past, my present, my future yours. I accept the gift that you've offered now to me of salvation, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness. I receive it and I'm humbled by it and grateful for it. And today, right here, right now, I begin my life as a follower of Jesus. Now if that's you and that's your heart, just in your own way, say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And I know you still got questions. You're thinking, what is this going to mean? We want to walk with you in community to help you discover more of what that means and what that looks like. But today, if that's you and you've made that decision, know this, the moment you say yes to God, you become his child. You're his. Lord, for those making that decision, who have made that right now, or listening later online or on the radio, that are making that decision, God, show them. Show them what it means and what you're going to do in and through them now. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song uh, of worship, and we give. This is our part of our service where actually our giving is a part of our worship. If you're a guest today, please don't feel obligated to give, but if this is your church, give to support what God is doing here. But let's give us an act of worship, sing this last song, and I'll come back and wrap it up. Hey, a couple things before you go. First, if today you begin your life as Christ follower, and you're just saying that song for the first time, that's truth in your life, come tell me, tell somebody, the Bible says, confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So let somebody know that today you began your life as a Christ follower. On the tables as you walk out, there's a packet that says for new believers, got a Bible, some materials you study and walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Prayer team will be down front. Communion's available on both sides of the room. By the way, we're going to take communion as a community. Now, lots of people love what we did last week. We're going to take it once a month as a community just to celebrate our community, but good. But every week, it's available on both sides of the room. And one last thing, and let me remind you something. This is important that you hear this. 90% of the proceeds from my book are going back to the kingdom. It's not about money for me. But I believe in grace. And I believe in this message. And I believe that Jesus can and will change lives because of it. And I want to encourage you. I gave 500 copies of this away and uh, a few, uh, about a month or so ago. If you got a free one, I still encourage you. Go over to Hastings. Be nice to those people. I'm trying to get them to come to church. And... Uh, <laughs> 
But go over there and pick one up and give it away. It's fun to give grace away. I want to encourage you to do that. Here's my prayer for you. Here's my benediction. May you go, be an encourager, find an encourager, and walk connected to others this week better than you ever had before. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.